Welcome to the On Intimacy podcast. For one of life's most important topics, authentic intimacy in sex, love, dating and relationships, visit onintimacy.com for resources, courses, coaching tips and more. On with today's show. Season 1, Episode 9, The Power of No. Today I'm speaking with Anne Brown, author of Backbone Power, The Science of Saying No. Anne has a PhD in addiction studies and helps people reveal their blindnesses and learn to speak authentically. Anne has served as the trusted advocate and advisor to influential corporate leaders, trial attorneys, athletes, physicians and their families. Our topic is creating heartfelt connections and the ability to say no. And welcome to the Courtship Academy Expert Interviews. Thank you, Gabrielle. Lovely to be here. Uh, I'm personally actually very excited to be speaking with you on such an important subject as authenticity. This interview project itself stimulates a lot for me with how to approach each different personality authentically, not to be overbearing, to encourage and support them to share their best ideas on the interview, the second guessing that I find myself going through to find appropriate questions to ask as each interview progresses. Uh, And I feel it all relates to meeting people through authenticity. So it's a wonderful topic for me. However, our listeners for the show are women searching for lasting romance within authentic relationships. So could we start by explaining what you mean by speaking authentically and maybe describing some of the challenges with creating heartfelt connections in relationship? Well, although women, the history of women is to be compliant, to not rock the boat, and to not be authentic. That's the history that we are. So women need to overcome that. Also, when I wrote my book, Many men called me and said, you don't know me well enough, but this book is about me as well. So I think the people-pleasing, the codependent discourse, whatever you want to call it, where someone is thinking about how to please that other person rather than thinking about who am I, what are my beliefs, what are my thoughts, that discourse, men or women, is not going to serve you in developing heartfelt connections. So we have old beliefs that we need to be compliant. There are women who actually think if they make sacrifices and they're victims, that that's better. But in the current day, we need equal partners. Men need, real men need real women and real women need real men. Can you describe a bit about where that people-pleasing or compliance comes from? Beside the historical discourse of women, it also comes from having a dysfunctional um, family. If you have an addict, if you have a very sick person, all the focus goes on the dysfunctional person and you're expected to adapt to the dysfunction. And So there's, what about my soccer game? What about me? What about what I care about? There's no room for that. And then there is just the history that, you know, it's better to be a martyr and to be self-sacrificing than it is to be uh, vocal and authentic and, hey, here are my thoughts about it. So my belief is that not only do we want to 
get the heart connections, but we want to be able to keep them. And I think that the beginning, I have a much more spiritual approach. Mm-hmm. I just think people have to go inward and find and develop that voice and that authentic self before they even think about partnering with someone else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You mentioned historical discourse of women. Is there a way to give that to us in a nutshell? What is that about? Uh, again, I mean, if you look at ISIS, if you look at um, cultures where women don't have a voice, where women are second-class citizens, you educate the men, you don't educate the women, we still have lots of areas of the world where that historical discourse is operating. Mm -hmm. And I believe that those of us who have the rights and the freedoms need to exercise them and we need to be proud of them and we need to spread that discourse to overcome the old way where women don't have rights. I mean, we've fought for voting, we're fighting for equal pay, but I th- it's the same in, in a heart connection. Many a marriage that I have seen, that we all have seen, it's set up so the woman is a second-class citizen. And I think we, I think men, more and more men, now want a partner. And as women get out into the workforce, they make their own money, they're starting to speak, which is long overdue. Mm. What is the sense of victimhood in that, in that compliance or, or people-pleasing? Look, look at me. Look how much I have sacrificed for you. Aren't I a wonderful person? And I don't think that works anymore. Maybe it did. Um, I remember seeing a woman who, you know, never bought herself new clothes, but her children had the best of everything. Children don't want that. They don't want a parent who is that self-sacrificing. And it's, it, frankly, it's hard to be around. So, uh, so do, doing that, the woman would feel that she's going to earn some kind of respect or loyalty or is she trying to create guilt with the children so that they do what she says or love her more? Or what, is, what are those things? Well, I think it's a com- that's a great question. I think it's a combination. I remember working with um, a very Catholic discourse in a big city and the women would come in every week and tell me the sacrifices and how badly their husbands had treated them. And I began to realize they don't want to change. It's like Mm -hmm. a badge of uh, honor. Mm -hmm. Look at me. And the woman in the culture who had the worst situation was actually in many ways the most respected. Mm. So what problems then does that inauthenticity or the people-pleasing or the compliance, what problems does that actually create for women that they can recognize? Resentment. Resentment is simply you owe me. So if I'm constantly sacrificing, there's very few women I've ever met that don't have huge amounts of resentment in their body. And we know that resentment kills, that you just set your body up for illness, um, bitterness. You hear it when they speak. I'm not sure it's very invitational for a man or other people 
who don't live in that discourse to be around. Mm. Uh, illness, lack of dignity, you're sacrificing your life for others. And I believe that we can be kind and we can be good and we can help others. We first have to help ourselves. We first have to put our own oxygen mask on before we put others on. So and women, if you do that, go ahead. Women who have that uh, resentment, do the, is it easy for them to recognize it in themselves? No, and I think that's a blindness because they actually believe that the world owes them and it's the other people's fault. And that's, a, again, a big blindness that I've had revealed to me by one of my greatest teachers, and I try to reveal for other people. This resentment is not going to serve you, and you are the only one who can do something about it. Okay, super. So let's go on a little bit. So the next question I've got, what is the ability to say no? Um, you know, I, I worked with a man once, and he said yes to everything. He just wanted people to like him. And I said to him, you know what, why don't you just try, I don't know. And he's a great example for me because he came back to me and he said, oh, my goodness, it saved my life. Because now in situations when people say, could you pick up this? Could you do that? Um, could you not charge me because I'm family? Could you on and on and on? He said, I don't know. Let me think about it. And then, of course, when he got home and away from the person, he said he was very able to call them and say, no, thank you for asking, but um, I can't do that for you. But he didn't know he did that, and he didn't know how to get out of it because he didn't want to be a, a bad guy. Well, I think, you know, women have said to me, I'm on every page in your book. And until you learn to say, um, can you head this charity? You know what? Thank you. I can't right now because I – you don't even have to have a because. But then women say to me, but it's a charity. I should do it. Well, no, actually, if it doesn't fit in your schedule, you shouldn't. And I think women just have this big should. You should say yes to everything because you want people to like you because you want to sacrifice. And what I'm saying is no, ask yourself if that's something that fits into your authentic self. And you have to take time to get to know what your authentic self is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. And... So let's now look, that's looking at women or people who have that challenge. What happens, let's look at what happens when they have developed, when you see people that do have that ability to say no and when they can speak with authenticity. What is the evidence that a woman has when she's able to say no with authenticity? What they report to me and, and what I see. So what they report to me, the first time it's difficult, your voice may quiver, but it starts something that you can't stop. And after mm. you've got five or ten under your belt, they come to me. I just had a woman last week and say, oh, my God, it worked and it was so easy. Why have I spent my whole life not doing this? What I observe is that resentment starts to fade away because we're not adding to it. What I also observe and what they start to feel, they feel the relief of the burden of you always have to put up with other people's dysfunction. They feel the relief of that. What I 
observe is confidence, self-esteem, a woman becoming more authentic. She begins, you know, I start to ask her, what are your ideas? What are your thoughts? What are your beliefs? Because if you're always thinking about what the other person wants to hear, you don't think about yourself. So a decrease in resentment, increase in dignity, increase in self-esteem. And I have to believe that the environment for illness is going to start to go away. Mm, You mentioned the the relief of uh, other people or the relief of your burden due to other people's dysfunction. I also feel that it may be true that people are not dysfunctional, but I end up treating them as if they're dysfunctional, as if I'm being overly sensitive. Does that make sense? It does, because I would say to you, by not telling me the truth, by not, by you thinking that I can't hear you say no, you're insulting me and thinking that I have no self-esteem, that I can't hear no. So people will say to me, I don't want to say no because that's rejection and I don't want to be rejected. And I will say no, actually, no is not rejection. It's simply saying I can't do what you ask. There's no rejection there at all. It's simply I can't do what you ask. So for those of us who are authentic, We want to be around other authentic people, and we don't want you to coddle us by telling us things that you think we want to hear. Mm. And I would say in heart connections, this is absolutely key because the minute you can't have honest conversations between the two of you, I'm not sure how a relationship can last if you can't resolve conflict. So how do people recognize, the question was, what is the evidence a woman has to know that she's able to say no with authenticity, but now it comes up that we also need to be able to recognize authenticity in other people. So to create that heartfelt connection, we need to have honesty on both sides. We've got to know that both sides can handle it. is, is how sensitive do we have to be in that game of, of nurturing authentic heart connection? Um, I'm not sure if I'm answering what you're saying or understanding, but I did have one woman say to me, so will I attract different people if I can start to be more honest? Mm-hmm. And my assessment is you will. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure you have to put a huge focus on that. I think you will just, if you're around people who can say no to you, who can ask you, um, you know, the backbone is three things. One, the ability to say no. One, the ability to make requests. And one, the ability to be authentic, the truth. I think if you can start to your journey to doing that, you will attract people who can do that as well. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So what are some of the beliefs then that a woman has when she does have that ability to say no? What does she believe about herself or other people or the world? I have to tell you that my experience is people tell me, uh, why didn't I know this sooner? Life is so much easier. I'm at peace. 
I feel stronger. You know, a lot of people don't want to be around other people because they'll make requests of them and they don't know how to say no. So you, you have less fear about the world. You know, people can ask you anything. And if, as long as you know that you can say, oh, you know what, thanks, that doesn't work for me. You don't have to be afraid. Your fear de- decreases, your dignity increases, your joy increases. You get clear about what your, you know, I think it's Steve Jobs that said, we have to say no to all the things that get in the way of what we want to say yes to. And that's the same for mm-hmm. us and for we individuals that, you know, you, you don't want those distractions to take you off your course. So if you want a heart connection, you need to say no to the things that get in the way of the heart connection. Can, does this, can we relate this to expectations in relationship? I think so because expectations are things that I bring that have no grounding. They're probably from my history. If, you know, if I had a five-day birthday celebration when I was growing up and you got one card, I'm going to be upset that you didn't give me a five-day birthday celebration and you have no idea why but you came from a totally different uh history of birthday celebrations and those Mm. expectations that's a simple example but they're hidden in everything Mm. and if you could have an honest conversation then that would get rid of those expectations that just simply come from my history it doesn't mean everybody had that so it's it it includes about being kind of mindful of the other person of your actual history with this actual person rather than things that maybe you're making up in your head and um and and being aware of the real conversation that's actually taking place or and even having that real conversation if Mm -hmm. all i think about is that i want to please you right i I don't i'm not curious and and you know what i'm what I'm promoting is, you know, have these conversations. What was it like in your family? What, what, what were the good, the bad, the ugly? What do you want to bring down? What don't you want to bring down? How was money handled? How were celebrations handled? Mm. Uh, all of that. So let's, uh, I think that's a great place then to transition into our part two. So let's do that. What are some of the strategies and the techniques and the how-tos that a woman can use to develop the ability to say no and therefore move successfully towards creating heartfelt connections. In my book, I actually have a workbook and I have, you know, throughout all the chapters, little assignments. So again, I would start with the people who tell me they can't say no. I have them say, I don't know. And then you get back to the person. You practice, if you get a group of friends, what we did Uh, colleagues of mine and I, we would get together in groups and one person would sit in the middle and we would, and another person would make requests of us over and over and over again. And we couldn't give a story because you you may have to start with a story, but if you notice the story you're going to use to say no, it's going to be the best one is always illness. And I don't want people (laughs) moving to illness. So what I say is you need to say, no, thank you for asking. Um, that doesn't work for me. Um, please check in with me again. But practice with your friends. Say no to the ice in the water at the restaurant. Say no. Um, practice if you go out to lunch with a friend and you are always paying. Say, you know what? 
could you pay next time? Let's switch. Start with the little things before you get to sex and money, which are the tougher things. Start with um, people that don't threaten you, which may be, like I say, in a restaurant. Uh, but don't, because when you come to your loved ones, that's where many people say to me, that's more difficult. Mm. But you got to start practicing somewhere. Mm-hmm. Very good. Okay, so are there any other strategies or techniques for women to learn how to say no? Well, and I would, in, I would make that a little bit bigger, and I would say as you're practicing how to say no, find out how many of you in other blindnesses, um, women, men who have this, don't know how to make requests for themselves. Yeah. Take, take a look at your day, and if you have not asked for one thing during your day for yourself, then perhaps you've got to start doing that. Um, I give a great example in my book about a woman who came to visit me about her daughter visiting with her father. They were divorced, and the father would only do the things that he enjoyed. And I said, well, what if she made requests to go to the park? And the woman said if she made requests, he would hit her. That little girl is not going to know how to make requests, and she's not going to know why she doesn't know. Mm. That, be, that will be a blindness. So take a check and see whether you can say no, whether you can ask. Ask of your potential partner. If you're dating for something, make a request. See how it flies. How does a woman discover if she's carrying a lot of resentment? Um, if you find yourself talking behind other people's back, uh, that's one way. If you're very happy to trash someone but never to their face. Um, if you find yourself, you know, that little conversation you have in the shower, nee, 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 about so-and-so, if it doesn't match the conversation you have with that so-and-so in person, if you're constantly angry about or blaming other people, mm. it's probably a good sign that you're living in what I call you owe me, which is the resentment. Mm-hmm. Very good. Um, so when, if a woman sees some of that in her, then she's, she's imagining those conversations in her head. She's realizing that she is angry or she's blaming other people in her imagination. What, what are one or two things she can do with that? Well, again, a lot of people have told me they, they get help from my book. Um, I, I personally, I would hire a coach. I would, um, get with my friends. I would go to any observer that could help you with this. Uh, you know, I, I don't know about around the world, but I know we have meetings, ACA meetings, ACOA meetings, and those are, you know, essentially addressing a lot of people-pleasing if money's an issue. But I would definitely hire a coach, but I would make sure they know about this discourse, which we can either call people-pleasing, codependency, um, 
but you really you really want someone who can walk their talk, someone who has been on their own recovery and not just kind of a hand-holding therapist, but a therapist who can kind of get out their cattle prod when you need it and help you get out of this because it will kill you. Resentment is not a healthy environment for your body. Mm -hmm. I really like the idea of being in a group setting with friends and then practicing yeah. Um, saying no, or I guess that goes for making, yeah, you, you mentioned making requests as well. That's a very interesting idea. You've mentioned codependence. Can, can you maybe clarify what the differences are between some of those similar words, independence, interdependence, codependence? What is, what is the problem or what should it look like? Well, again, if you've grown up with a dysfunctional addict, sick, um, acting out family member, and the family organized around the dysfunction, then you were asked to be codependent to that dysfunction. In other words, that dysfunction, there's no space for you. So you weren't allowed to have your own thoughts and opinions. If you grow up in a in a healthy family, your your games, what's important to you, your thoughts, your opinions, we'd like to think would be encouraged. But if everything's around, you know, dad's getting drunk. Um, it's not just dad; it could be mom. Um, then your your own self, this authentic self, it's not encouraged um, to be developed. And, and that's okay. You know, you develop this people-pleasing to survive. But now that you're out, you can, and I invite you to get help from groups. Again, in my book, there's a workbook if you want to just get friends and you can follow it and practice this. I just think the, the minute you start to realize you can say no and you can ask for things for yourself without feeling guilty... The world starts to open up and is just so much lighter. And I believe that's a core for these heart connections. Mm. It really, really, really is interesting. <laughs> um, <laughs> so asking for things without guilt. It, it, we all grow up all amongst other people. Not everyone grows up in a family environment, but certainly there's people around at least. Most of us probably grow up with, in family environments. And so it seems as if codependence does happen. It, it, it's part of our culture today, right? Because we're, we're all making, they're my words, correct me where I'm wrong, but we're all making compromises or sacrifices or we're or excuses for other people, or we have a different opinion. We, we, you know, it can be, I guess, simple things. One wants one toy or, or, or dinner menu or whatever it is, and they don't get their way. It's very deep, isn't it? How, again, I, I'm wanting to ask the question, what does it look like when we are free of codependence? What do people do or how do they relate to themselves or the world or each other differently? What examples can we have or how do we move as a community, as a, as a, as a earth towards a more authentic 
experience, even when including family and relationships and still accepting each other's differences? Well, I, I don't mean to imply that everybody should be raised as a spoiled brat because that's not it at all. There will be family meals. There will be um, family decisions. There will be family sacrifices. And what we hope is that in your little world, what you are able to make decisions about, like one, one woman told me, I never told my parents what sport I wanted to because they would make sure that I never got that sport. They would do the opposite. Hmm. But in a healthy family, if you say you want to play soccer or you want to play hockey or you want to play the violin, we would hope that if the family could afford that, you would be allowed that and you would be encouraged with that. Um, at its worst, when the family wants to not give you anything, we have a problem. So in a world, in a community, there's healthy places where we come together. And then there's, you know, I feel this way about that. And you feel that way. Someone said to me the other day, you know, we had a issue here that we voted on. And he said, I don't care that it didn't go my way. We had the debate. Everybody voted. And now we it's going to go this way. Well, we'd like to think of that in families, that there's a healthy debate, not about everything, because parents have to be parents. And in your couple, that you have the debate, you have opinions, the other person has opinions, and you come to a higher place because you voiced your opinions. If it's codependent and you don't give your opinion and it's only the other person's opinion and you didn't like the decision, you're going to build resentment. And then we have the problem. Mm -hmm. But if you can speak, you know, he says, I want to get married in two years. You say, mm, I want to get married in one year. You discuss what's going on and you come to something where both people say, you know, I can live with that. Mm. And then let's just tie it up then in terms of heartfelt connections. Is there something particular or unique to romantic love or romantic uh, attraction or uh, a long-term a long lasting relationship? Again, I really feel that, and I have an eight-point way to resolve conflict, I just think the the paradigm of marriage has got to include the ability to resolve conflict. Mm -hmm. I just think it's unrealistic for you to think that you can spend lots of years with one person and never have a disagreement. So I think you need to practice in the beginning on resolving conflict respectfully. And I think there are people who would say they can predict if a marriage is going to work or not based on how people resolve conflict. And the key word is respectfully. If there's a place for my thoughts, and again, if you have never allowed yourself to have thoughts, you're not going to be good at this. But if there's a place for my thoughts and a place for your thoughts, and then we come to some mutual agreement, I think the couples who, they, you got to have the juice. I can't give you that. Mm. But I think the couples who have this authenticity, like she, I'm not afraid to say anything to her. I'm not afraid to say anything to him. I can bring up things. And I don't mean 
mean things like I don't like your nose or your eyes or that kind of stuff. I'm talking about important things that you can't let go of. If you can say, I don't, I'm not afraid to bring things up and I know that we'll discuss them respectfully, whether it's money, sex, the children, whatever, and come to a higher resolution, I think you have a huge advantage over couples who can't and didn't pay attention to that when they were getting together. So I'd imagine you would say that uh, once you've practiced saying no enough times and you've practiced making requests enough times and you're developing your own authenticity, that conflict resolution stuff doesn't have to be traumatic every time, right? It doesn't have to be a big effort. Exactly. And when people say to me, I hate conflict, I say, you probably hate conflict that you had in your history. But what if I could teach you a really respectful honest way let's practice with each other mm-hmm. like you you take one side i'll take the other side we'll debate it and we'll come to a solution that doesn't we can rework that traumatic background but the minute you say i don't like conflict so i'm not going to have any ideas or opinions i'm telling you it's like going through life handicap mm. i agree i think it's really really important work so and uh, any final comments to share and where can our listeners find you online? Um, my website is www.backbonepower.com. I've got lots of articles about this. It may seem overwhelming. The thought when you think alone by yourself, oh, I could never say no, I could never ask for anything, but I promise you, For the majority of people, if you get in a group situation, if you hire a coach, if you read, if you have a commitment, once you start this, it's just a very enlightening journey that will bring good things in your life. It'll bring you respect, dignity, inner peace, joy. So I would just say, please don't be afraid, you know, jump on this train. Fantastic. (laughs) <laughs> thanks very much for your time and it's really really, uh, really insightful very very interesting subject thank, thank you and thank you for doing what you're doing yeah 